Thank you for listening to Pastoring on Purpose. Welcome, everybody, to Pastoring on Purpose. We are here at the Office of Ministerial Care, sitting aside in our studio here. Uh, we offer this podcast to encourage ministers, leaders, and anyone else who is out there that feels called to ministry. And uh, I am Tim Manis. I am the Pastoral Care as well as Spirit Care Coordinator here at Ministerial Care. And on this episode, we are discussing, discussing marriage and church leadership with Amy and Kevin McGlamry, and we're really excited to have them. We're going to get to them in just a moment. Before I do that, Raymond is our restoration coordinator here at Ministerial Care. We've worked together for close to 10 years now. It's hard to believe, but Raymond, say hello to everybody that's out there today. Hello to everybody that's out there today. I'm happy to have uh, Brother McGlamry here. I know I've uh, met him before and worked with him a little bit, and so I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. And to my right is Dr. Jeff Sargent. He is a professor as well as department head over there at the Behavioral Sciences at Lee University. Say hello, Dr. Sargent. Hello, Dr. Sargent. And hello to everyone else. I'm excited about today's uh, guest and this discussion about leadership and co-leadership within the church and also how that impacts our mar- uh, one's marriage. So it's going to be a good show today. Awesome. And let's just dive right into, well, once again, we have Pastor Kevin and Amy McLamry with us today. Amy and her husband, Kevin, currently serve as the lead pastors at Life Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Amy works on the pastoral staff in the role of discipleship uh, pastor. Amy serves as a student pastor at the Lake Erie Church in Perry, Ohio, from July 2008 to August 2010. Amy also works closely beside her husband in student ministry for 13 years prior to that assignment. Uh, Kevin was raised in a minister's home, grew up in the ministry, and yielded the call of uh, God himself in 1994. Uh, Pastor Kevin currently serves on the Executive Council for the Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, and the Lee University Board of Directors. He has served on other various councils, boards, and committees throughout his ministry. He has spoken at numerous camp meetings, youth camps, conferences, revivals, and special services. He enjoys communicating the gospel to every age level through creative methods. Uh, on and on and on. They do. I think this is the most important out of all of that is that they do have three children, uh, Lindsay, Miles, and Kendall, and both Kevin and Amy are graduates of Lee University. And I think all of us, uh, Ryan, are you a graduate of Lee University? No. Besides our producer, all of us are byproducts of Lee. So uh, not to single you out there, Ryan, but uh, nonetheless, Kevin and Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, we are uh, so uh, thankful to, to be with all of you and honored to, to be your guests on this podcast and uh, just grateful to have a conversation about leadership and marriage within the church. And uh, we're just really grateful to be a part of it. Amy? Yeah, so thankful to be with you today. Awesome. How long have you all been in Huntsville, Alabama? Uh, we've been the lead pastors there for now 11 and a half years, uh, which is really hard to believe. Uh, but 11 and a half years now as the lead pastor there at Light Church Huntsville. One of the things I want to ask, you know, a lot of our pastors, and I, I do ask this quite often, is how has the pandemic affected your church, and, and what's it looking like now that hopefully we're kind of trying to get through this pandemic? Yeah, for us, uh, obviously, I think everybody in the pandemic season uh, realized that uh, we had never pastored through something like this before. And uh, I think we also realized that nobody had the playbook and uh, I think we appreciate more the collaboration of 
other pastors and leaders and think it really had an emphasis on us coming together as the body of Christ to build the kingdom of God and reminding us that we're on the same team. We're trying to uh, share the greatest message uh, that could ever be shared or ever be preached. That's the message of Christ. And so uh, definitely we all faced extreme challenges uh, during the season. Uh, I think it caused us to, to be a little bit more flexible or to pivot more often, to be, be more creative, uh, to focus on what really are the main things in church ministry. So there's several things that, that I think it taught us. There's no doubt it was a challenging season uh, for uh, all pastors, all leaders, churches, well, even, even the people who attend our, our churches. It was just a very difficult season for all of us. I'm, I'm sure, like you said, we none of us have had to go through this unless we were alive in 1917 during the, the Spanish flu, I think is what it was called. But um, what kind of adjustments did you have to make uh, throughout this process? Obviously, you know, we no longer meet for a, uh, a time frame that was designated and given to us uh, by uh, government leadership. And so we had to learn immediately what the online campus, uh, what it was going to look like and realize the importance of it. And now, even though we're, I feel like we're getting on the backside of the pandemic, realizing that the online campus is not going to go away. It's a real thing. And so for us as a church, we, we are actually reaching more people, not just in person, but through our online campus as well. So being creative on how to get content out, uh, realizing the importance of that just was a different way. You know, church at home uh, was a real thing. Ministering to people, you know, them sitting on their couches, the requirement is drinking their coffee. It's a real thing. And so still trying to be creative, but still share a great message and keeping people connected. So I guess with the online ministry, it caused us to be extremely creative, trying to make sure that we were reaching as many people as possible and uh, trying to do it as, as best we can. We're fortunate to be in a church that we have great uh, media equipment and we were able to produce we feel like a great product, but some of our pastors, they had to learn how to hit Facebook Live. So we all had a learning curve on uh, how to how to present the message through online methods. I, I think one thing we all learned was, you know, the church is in a, we are the church. And so uh, I think it was a great season as far as realizing we could do ministry a different way. It didn't have to be our typical way, boxed way. And again, it really brought out some flexibility, some creativity, and to know that we are the church, whether we're in the building or out of the building. I also think it brought about a better appreciation for the gathering of the body of Christ. You know, when at those months we were closed down, when we got to come back together, you know, it was like, yes, I've missed my brothers and sisters in Christ. And now we get to worship together. And I think it was a process, even when we started getting back together, because people were still dealing with fear and apprehension and not sure what the future was. But uh, as pastors, we were there to encourage, to help lift up, and to help get people comfortable meeting together again. I think another thing we had to do was we had to create ways to reach people even in their homes by personal touches. We put together committees and had people over certain groups, sent them to their houses to drop off things at their doors. Just to let them know, hey, we may not be meeting together in this season, but we know you, we see you, we care about you. And so it was a real stretching time uh, for the church uh, to come up with these ways to make sure we continue to be the church, even if we weren't in the building. I feel like sometimes we just take for granted some things. And when you have that taken away from you, you start to realize the importance 
of being able to be together and just be able to see each other, be in the same room, to be able to speak, um, to be able to touch and, and have that kind of uh, community is something that I don't think we'll take for granted again. I think waving at people, smiling at people, air high five. I was so tired of saying that uh, through that season, even though we had to. Just a great appreciation for us to be able to come together again and to celebrate the goodness of our Lord. And so uh, there's there's a lot of good things. I mean, I think another thing is uh, during that season, it was a very much an evaluation season of, of us as the church. And I remember being in my living room during the, the uh, quarantine season and just asking God, God, give us one more chance. Yeah, Give the church one more chance. I didn't know what was going to come out of this and when it was going to ever end. But God, give us one more chance to come back together and be the church you called us to be. You've gotten caught up in things maybe that weren't in alignment with the kingdom and with the great commandment, great commission. And let us get our aim and our focus back on what you really called us to be and really called us to do. And let us do it the right way until you come to get your church. That was very important. Now that you were able to reflect on this experience, which none of us foresaw coming. None of us, of course, wanted to go through. Nobody wants a challenge like this. Nobody wants a crisis like this. But what I hear you saying is that, you, that, that, that the Spirit led you through this, and you had to be resourceful, like many of us. Now as you're able to start looking backwards, all right, and the changes that took place in your ministry or how you minister to others, or maybe even specifically your leadership team, can you see some changes because of your response to the pandemic now that you're going to keep or retain either in your leadership model, um, your church, and the way that you minister to others? If you don't mind, reflect on that a little bit. Well, I think, first of all, I think, and we may have mentioned it previously, we found out truly what was important and what we did in the way of ministry. Uh, I think sometimes we have a tendency to potentially get caught up in the busyness of ministry and church. But what what the pandemic made us do was focus on, I would say, several main priorities uh, within our church. And, and we have eliminated some things that we used to do. We don't do them anymore because we found out the things that we were truly focusing on. Uh, not that those other things weren't good, but these were the things that we felt like truly matter to accomplish vision and mission of our house. And so I think that's that's one thing I reflect on. I think the second thing I reflect on is we really have a good church. I mean, our our church family, not just ours, but our extended family, the Church of God family, um, we really have a lot of good family. And I think, and, and this may sound a little rough, the people that we lost think we have a greater appreciation for them and for those who I call are designated survivors. They survived this thing. So I think it's it's a greater appreciation for relationships. Yes. Uh, I take a lot more pictures, a few more videos, mm-hmm. tell people I love them a whole lot more, send more texts, uh, just because the value of the relationships. And I think it caused me to reflect on those things that are truly important. I would also reflect on the faithfulness of God. Uh, we had 2020 was our largest year of giving. And then 2021, we beat it. Uh by over $300,000, our, our largest year of giving. And so we're so thankful for God's hand on our church that even in the midst of a pandemic season, he was faithful. We have more people that have uh, uh, now joined our church in the way of membership and their connection to us was through the online campus. That might not have happened before if we wouldn't have had the pandemic. So 
some of our outreach ministry has grown uh, because of the pandemic, uh, connectivity with relationships within our community, community partnerships. So there's, I mean, those are just a handful of things that I reflect on uh, of things that are really, really good. It also caused even some people within our church who really had leadership gifts within them to step up and begin yeah. to operate in that gift. But when you look back on uh, what really was the most trying thing, hardest thing as a pastor I've ever been through, there are still in the midst of a lot of negative. To me, there's so much more positive that we can focus on um, with the help and the hand of the go- hand of God being with us. We had an online presence before yeah. the pandemic, but we really had to step that up. Yeah. And now we know again that that's how we we have members or, or people participating in our church through that venue. And we have to keep that uh, going well and, and be intentional about including them in our services and making mention of them in our services, which maybe we didn't do so well right. before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I, I've had testimonies of a pastor's wife from Pennsylvania telling me, uh, Amy, my kids were prodigals. They live in Huntsville. But through this pandemic, they begin to watch your church online. Mm-hmm. Now they watch faithfully every week. They may not be coming to your building, but they're calling and telling me what they're learning from your husband and your sermons. And this is an answer to prayer. So we can't negate the online. Do we want people back in person? Of course. But we have to realize that God's working through this online presence, and we have to continue to make that the best that it can be. You know, we, we saw weaknesses through this, things that, you know, that God revealed that we need to work on, that our people, you know, we needed to uh, help our people work on, that discipleship is yeah. so important, even when we were quarantined and even now coming together because of the world we're living in, people need to be rooted, they need to be grounded and founded on the Word of God. So encouraging people that way, because we know the times we're in. And so God revealed a lot if you were listening if you were speaking, uh, and hopefully uh, it would make us better. Yeah, That is beautiful. I mean, and, and, and I think what that, what, when I say beautiful, it's beautiful how God has designed this in, in that we don't want to go through troubles. We don't want to go through trials, but as the writer James says, you're going to do so. That This is the way life is the way it's been, been created, and you're going to be challenged, and it's an opportunity to learn things that we wouldn't have learned before. And we hear this wonderful list coming from from Amy and Kevin all these things that God revealed to them during the pandemic. And, and of course, we all were saying, God, take us immediately out of this, which he did not. Yeah. All right. But look at the wonderful opportunity to learn and appreciate what we have and opportunities that maybe we were overlooking before. That's beautiful. Thank you. The, the, the readjustment period. I mean, we're going to have younger ministers listening to this podcast. And I, I, I don't want to miss what Kevin and Amy are saying. There were times when they had to readjust, to repivot, to to look at some things that perhaps they, they feel like they need to be able to do better at. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. That means you're looking right. at this as a challenge and a way to, I hate to say up your game, but to, to, to be able to reach people where they're at. And exactly. Raymond, we talk about this quite often. You know, We're not going to go back to the time before the pandemic. I mean, this is kind of our watershed moments like the 9-11 to a certain extent. I don't know if there's certain things I'd want to go back to. We've, we've learned value. We've had to pivot here at the office here and how we operate and, and be able to help our ministers. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. We've seen uh, more recently in the last year or so, we've seen smaller towns start to grow again and larger cities start to shrink. Uh, people are evaluating their life and their hectic 
schedules and they're reevaluating their hierarchy here into what is really a need and what are things that, that is not needed. What things can we do uh, to build in a little bit more peace? Now, having said that, I think that coming out of the pandemic, though, has also brought other things that have changed. We've seen divorce rates go up a little bit. Uh, we've seen a lot of things happen. So all of the things that we've done here, change does come hard. Sometimes it comes kicking and screaming, uh, like some of the changes that, that, that you're talking about that have been made with the church as a response to the pandemic. What kinds of changes do you feel like you're facing now with the coming out? Uh, I think that has probably brought a lot of changes. Families, uh, a lot of them have been frayed. Uh, the shut-in, you know, people, you, you talked about the political leadership. putting. I mean, it caused frays all over the place, uh, not to mention just the anxiety that came as a result of living through a pandemic. Well, I, I, I think when we think about all the changes that we face, I mean, not only did we have a pandemic, I mean, we had we'll just say the craziest election that we've ever experienced together. Uh, we are a diverse body of believers. So the racial tension, uh, we felt that as well within our body. I mean, we have, uh, we have nations in our church. And so just being sensitive to the needs of people, I think is one of the things that we have to be very mindful of and caring for them. You mentioned our, our, our senior adult shut-ins. You know, one of the things we had to do and we still have to do, not just phone calls, but we took care packages to every single one of them. And there might have been a time that we might have just not even worried about them. I hate to say that, but there's moments we're so busy in ministry doing other things that maybe we didn't care for them the way we should. So we're a little bit more mindful, mindful of that. But, but just making sure that we understand the value of all relationships, the uh, value of family, uh, value of marriage. Um, you know, the value of our church relationships. I think those are things that we have to continue to, to monitor and to work on from the standpoint of change within the church. I, I remind my team all the time, let's don't settle back in. You know, the pandemic calls us to continue to be creative. Let's still be creative, even though we're kind of at, in some ways getting back into the routine of ministry the way it maybe once was pre pandemic. But let's continue to be creative and, and try things. Let's don't be afraid to fail. Let's fail forward, uh, but continue to, to make sure that we're, we're moving forward. One of the things that I said at the beginning of the year, which is kind of our theme for our church, is I believe the church and the kingdom of God needs to have a significant season, that we've got to bear fruit that's going to last for generations to come. Our sons and daughters, they matter. And so we're gearing everything we do. If you talk about change, gearing towards uh, the next generation of leaders and sons and daughters and bearing fruit that, that's going to last. I reread Mark Rutland's book, Relaunch, and at the end of the book, he said, the moment that you stop moving forward is the moment you begin to move backward. And we don't want to move backward as a church. Like Church Huntsville, I believe that for our movement, the Church of God, we've got to keep advancing. So that means we're going to have to continue to be okay with what I call meaningful change, not just change to change, but meaningful change that will help uh, pass the heritage and the message of Christ to a generation coming after us. And I think that's been very important for us. I think one thing too is during this, uh, even when we were quarantined and shut down, is I always think of the story with Mary and Martha. 
where Martha was so busy in the kitchen yeah. doing the deeds and the works, and Mary went and sat at Jesus' feet. And I think that that, that season that we were shut down, it, it, it slowed our pace. It, 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 we took the time and enabled us to hear from God and to seek Him more intimately because we weren't flying places, traveling places, yeah. one event after the other event. You know, we were recording our services and doing some Zoom calls, but we weren't in the fast pace. And, and, and I really felt like if, it, if people took the opportunity, it, it could have been a really good time. But what we saw, I agree with you, is that we saw some fragmented marriages, people getting, people becoming depressed, uh, maybe addictions coming out. And so we as the church had to continue to love and, and have hard conversations with people. Uh, we recommend people in our church to a Christian counseling center in our town that I'm on the board. And so when we saw that need, we'd say, hey, it's okay. You know, if you need the help, if you need to see a counselor, we want to connect you with this Christian Counseling Center. Because there was a lot of emotions. There were a lot of things that were brought out during this time uh, from people having all this quiet time that needed um, the church and needed some needed counseling and Christian counseling and guidance. And we tried to engulf all of that in helping people get back together. You know, the pandemic in the quarantine time made us have face-to-face time with our families. And some people weren't doing that at all. And so you're going to have some, uh, you're going to have that moment of, wow, we haven't sat and talked and had a family meal together in quite some time. And now we're having it every single night. Sometimes it was tough for people, but really it was good for people to be able to open up communication again and talk. So we, we fostered that. We even Try to give uh, people some tools to hear some conversation starters if you want to do that. But I think also in this, we also saw there were some people who left the church that we thought would never leave the church. And so it made us realize what Amy said, making sure people are rooted and grounded. And we must continue to do that as we move forward. That emphasis of discipleship. We're a Pentecostal church. I love to have great church just as much as anybody. But we also realize that even though you have great church, you better have solid foundation because when you go through something like this, this is when you're tried. So those are just a few things. I hope we answered that question. But yeah. uh, that those are that we see. So much, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you said that there at the end. You know, my father has got some stats about the numbers of people that have left churches that are not going to return. Uh, right. And it really comes back to what were they going for? This big yeah. reevaluation process uh, has caused people to evaluate, am I going here just to do things? Am I going here because they have activities? Uh, or am I going here because there's a love and because right. there's a community and because there's something that ministers to us? Uh, and I think that will explain why it's easy for a lot of people to leave. It's like what you were saying. So many of the things we were doing as a church we're not really targeting the things that are most important in ministry. What we also found in this, talking about change in the church being a little bit different, we found people who really were searching for the genuine of the Lord. They wanted an encounter with God. They wanted a place where their family could connect. We have grown in student ministry and in children's ministry because families found us online and have, are now are coming because they wanted to make sure we believe that their children had a firm foundation as they move forward because we all 
If we read the Word of God, we know difficult days are definitely going to continue to be ahead. But for the church, we believe it can be our finest hour. And so we're seeing that, and uh, that's that's encouraging, yeah. but we also understand the responsibility. Awesome. We want to kind of get a glimpse into the McGlamory household for just a moment because you, you talked about family and the importance of that. It, 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 it does really force you to, to, to look at the person in the room, whether it be your, your kids or your wife, and and spend more time together. You don't have a choice and uh, slow down a little bit. Ministry is tough as it is, and some of the things I think we over one of the things we overlook is is, is marriage in our ministries. I think we kind of assume that because you're going into to ministry and because you're you're called of God that uh, you're going to have this marriage thing figured out and everyone's going to have a rock solid marriage uh, that goes into ministry. That's obviously a misconception. What do you two do uh, to kind of ensure? Uh, that you have the marriage that you have and that that doesn't get neglected throughout the busyness of ministry? Well, I would say, Amy, we just celebrated uh, 28 years uh, of being married together. And I know people look at her and look at me and say, how? I just say, Jesus has been good. And uh, so I'm so thankful that that she's my my bride and and my wife and my partner for life. And I'm certainly blessed. And I I know that. I think for us, uh, one we're best friends. Uh, I'm for her. She's for me. And uh, I always want to talk to her. You know, how we've always done ministry and how we've done our marriage is we're a team, we're, uh, which is partnership, uh, good communications, uh, I'm, uh, good communication. I'm not saying that we've never had a, uh, a discussion, as we call them, in our, in our marriage relationship. Uh, uh, sometimes they're elevated, sometimes they're reserved, but we do have some discussions from time to time, but we know at the end of the day that we're for each other and we're definitely better together. I try to treat her like the queen of the home. Uh, I, I want her to know that, uh, that I affirm her. I think she's the most beautiful woman in the world. I say that I tell her, I love her all the time. And I, and I know what her love language is, uh, happens to be gifts by the way. And uh, so I make sure and communicate that and show that to her. I want her to know she doesn't need to look to anybody else and she is first. And so we have that type of relationship. And I even, I even say this in, when I talk about marriage seminars to ministry personnel, I will always make sure that Amy and my children are first before ministry. Uh, I, in every church I've interviewed at as a lead pastor, Ohio and in Alabama, I told them, I'm going to be a husband and a father first. And if you're not okay with that, then you don't want me as your pastor because that's why I am. That's, I want them to know that God is first and then my family. And so we've always communicated that way. And I, she believes in me and I believe in her. So continue to date her. Um, you know, we just do the things that we need to do to make sure that our relationship stays strong. She has every password to every device I have, every account I have. Um, I don't have anything to hide. She doesn't have anything to hide. And, and we are on the same page. And we have, I just would say to anybody who's listening, you need to make sure that you're on the same page with your wife or your husband. Uh, you know, it, it's so important that you do that. What, what would you say? And I think that for us, which may be an advantage, it was for us, is that we're doing this together. Right. You know, we do ministry together. But now I was a school teacher for 11 years for part of our ministry. Yeah. He started out as a school teacher. There were times that we were, were doing that. But even when I taught school and he was full-time in ministry, I would come home and be a part of what he was doing. I never 
was bitter toward it or it never put me off, but I was raised in a minister's home also. So it's kind of part of my life. But I think you have to make room for each other's gifting. Right. Uh, you have to, I, we communicate. Now he would probably say I over communicate, but that's because I want us to have an open relationship. So when I do have certain feelings, I tell him, even though sometimes that's, you know, can be, but it's part of the process of working through together. Right. And I think that's good for my kids to see. I think the challenge with having children is including them in the ministry, making them feel apart. All three of my kids, now they're grown, still work in our church. Yeah. They're their own ministry teams in our church. They love the church. But I, we couldn't get so caught up in what we were doing that we left them behind. Right. And there were seasons that, you know, we had to stop. And I call them come to Jesus meeting and sit down with individual ones of our children because our children are not perfect. No one's children are perfect. And just say, hey, I know what God's called us to do, but we're not going to go out and preach the gospel to everybody else. If you're, you know, and you not be all right. Yeah. So we've got to have this tough conversation. You know, what's going on? What do you feel? You know, and make them feel, even this week, Kevin went and preached somewhere away from our church and took our youngest to be a part of this. And so just trying to make room for them and what you're called to do, they're going to have different callings and different abilities, but we want them to know this ministry that we do, we do as a family. Yeah. And, and, and we want you to be a part. So whether it's an usher team, a youth group, a media team, a children's ministry, find your vein of this ministry and flow in that. And um, But it's, you know, we all have our moments. We all have our difficult seasons. Uh, we, we pray a lot. (laughs) We make sure our kids know that we're praying and we cover our marriage. Uh, but we just happen to be what he said. We're very good friends and we're on mission together and we do not compete against one another, but we complete one another. That's how we see it. Sounds like you're also called together, not just called together in your marriage, but called into the same ministry, which is beautiful. If you were advising a young couple who are stepping into the role that you're in now, all right, which you probably get that opportunity, how would you help them understand how to retain the boundary between family and church, especially when everybody's involved in the church and, and that's what you're called to do? But 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 that boundary is sometimes difficult. It can be very difficult. I remember this being growing up as a minister's son. Sometimes it's difficult or a challenge to protect the family and, and keep that unit separate while they're participating in ministry. You got any thoughts on that? I would think, first of all, you, uh, one word that you said that I think is key in all of this is, is boundary. You, you have to set the right boundaries. I've missed some church things because I was dad, and I don't apologize for that. Uh, we were right in the middle of a vacation Bible school. I don't know if people still do that, but, but we, we call it Kids Blast now. We've renamed it. Uh, but we were in the middle of a Kids Blast, and my son was being introduced at the football stadium and because uh, he was playing uh, uh, youth football, and they were going to introduce the teams, and it was right in the middle of our our uh, kids' blast that I was supposed to open up and be a part of the night. And I just told our kids' pastor, "I'm gonna go be dad. I'll I'll get there at the end, and I'll close it." And so that's what I did. Uh, there's been many times that I've just uh, I've missed some church functions. Like I was supposed to be at a Winterfest, and I was scheduled, and I didn't realize it was my son's senior night. I canceled two weeks before the event. And uh, got some grace on that. I ate the ticket, but I wasn't going to miss my son's senior night of basketball. So I think there's just some things that you have to, to, to put in place to remind your kids and your wife that after the Lord, they are the priority. 
And I think if you set, I would tell younger ministers, you need to, to settle that before you ever go into ministry. That after your relationship with the Lord, your spouse and then your children, they have to be the priority and then ministry. And if you can communicate that, you can communicate that in the right way to your church people where they'll, they'll understand. And if they don't understand, then you probably need to maybe preach a series on family and relationships. But I would just in, encourage them to say that. And then I would also tell them, you have to understand, you're going to work at your marriage. You're going to work at relationships with your children. And you're going to have to work in the church. So you, you have to understand that, you know, being a pastor is not just preaching on Sunday. There, there's way more to it than that. You, you better know some accounting. You better have a good lawyer. You better know some insurance. You better understand the word liability. Uh, you better under, understand the word staff development. Uh, there's all kinds of things that, that you, you need to, uh, you need to learn. But those would be the initial things that I would think of for a younger minister. You're going to have to set the boundaries in place before you ever get into that either part-time or full, full-time, uh, ministry role, whatever it may be, whether it's a lead pastor, staff pastor, whatever it might be. Yeah. And boundaries are hard. You know, because, uh, well, we're very driven people. Sure. And uh, because we do ministry together, sometimes I feel like I let too much of even at our home conversation be about the church. Mm-hmm. Even with our children, because we're constantly thinking and processing and evaluating. And then I catch myself thinking, I don't need to talk about church all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't need to constantly feel that pressure. I can just be mom. I can just have fun. And so for me, that's been a little harder. Um, in fact, I told somebody recently, maybe I need to go back and, and read that book, Boundaries, to make sure that I'm doing that the right way, because you can be so enveloped in this thing called ministry that uh, it just consumes every bit yeah. of your thought life, your talk life, you know, even in your family. And, you know, we've been on that family vacation where we've had to leave and come back for a funeral, and, and that's part of what we do but I, I also I want to be careful that I, that everything, even in, with my kids, is not ministry, 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 but that we have that boundary of family, fun. Their interests. Yeah, their yeah. interests. So that's something, you know, you continually work on. Boundaries have to be set for the church to let the church know where the boundary is, where, the, where, where your responsibility there ends, all right, and where, you, where your responsibilities at home began or, or continue. Also, the boundaries at home and reminding everybody, uh, reminding yourself, all right, that we are at home and we're going to stop, even though we're all involved in this ministry in the same church, that no, here's a boundary here that we have to remind ourselves that we don't cross this boundary and this is home. I also got from you guys that the boundary changes too, right? I mean, because the family's developing and growing and changing and interest and things like that. So it's not a set boundary one time. You had to reevaluate that over time as well. Uh, we have to be intentional with our intentions, our family, our, our our spouse, our kids. You don't have to sacrifice your family at the altar of ministry, and that is not something that God has asked us to do. And That's we have right. a, we have a part to play in that. Boundaries are not there to uh, limit our ministry; it's there to enhance our ministry. No, I agree. I think we always look at boundaries as a wall to keep things out, but it also keeps things in. You're talking about the value of your family and the glue that holds you guys together. Um, and the boundary also protects that, not just from exterior things, uh, but it contains. Uh, and I think that's important. You know, growing up as a kid, it, the, the church for me it was almost like a sibling. 
it was always at the dinner table. It was all just a part of the family. Um, yeah. And you have to be intentional about ways that you separate that, uh, not discard it, separate that from the interaction with your family so that that is something that, that's pure and healthy for everybody there. And you're modeling that. You're modeling that for your kids, what a healthy marriage is. And you're modeling that for your church as well. And I think that's, that's, that's a big part of discipleship, correct? I would just say, you know, we talk about boundaries and guardrails. We, we use that terminology too. Guardrails are for protection. And so I think it's, it's good for us to have those as well. I want my kids to know I'm their dad. I, I can be fun. I have to be serious, you know, sometimes when I'm in the ministry role and they understand that. But when I'm away from the church, I'm dad. You know, we're going to joke. We're going to have fun. We're going to do things that they love to do. And same way with, with Amy. And I would just also say in your marriage relationship, what are your, your good outlets? What we call your safe haven. You've got to have that. I, I'm good. I can just go to sleep. But she's got to unwind. And, and everybody's wired differently. But we need to make sure that we have those right boundaries, right guardrails to protect our marriage, our family, and our ministry. Amen. Love it. Thank you so much, Kevin and Amy McLamry, for being with us today. We have a lot of younger ministers, middle-aged ministers, older ministers, ministerial families that are going to be listening to this. And this is so vital for us to talk about, to put at the forefront, to say this is, these are discussions that we need to be having so that we can be healthy. I love the analogy. I'm going to use it in counseling sessions is the guardrail. I love that. That is there to protect us. Thank you guys so much for being with us. What an honor it is. And as a gift for being on our podcast today, you will get your own ministerial care mug. I will send you two. It won't be this one. Don't worry. Uh, but we want to say thank you guys for, so much for being with us. They're actually with us today from uh, Oklahoma City, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Awesome. We're honored to be with you guys. And uh, just we're so thankful. We love our, our Church of God tribe. and appreciate what you guys do for ministerial care. So needed. Uh, been on the restoration committee off the Council of 18, uh, working with Dr. Culpepper. And just uh, what a need it is for us as ministers to have a place when we are hurting, when we are struggling, that we can pick up a phone, make a phone call, and know there's going to be someone on the other end that will help us. So thank you for what you do. And we're honored just to, to be a small part of that today and to compliment the ministry that's ongoing there. Uh, at ministerial care. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And as Pastor Kevin has said, if you are a Church of God licensed minister and need conf confidential counseling, feel free to give us a call. Uh, that's what we're here for. And uh, thank you so much for your all support. We love and appreciate you all very, very much. You're part of a big part of our team now. So welcome. And uh, we Amen. look forward to, to having you back on the podcast sometime. Thank you, guys. Now it's time for Action Steps, part of the show, and I'm going to go to my colleague, Raymond. Raymond, just from what Pastor Kevin and Amy have shared today, give the listeners out there today some, some action steps, things that we can take away from this episode. Well, I think, you know, from the two major things that were discussed here, leadership and boundaries with the family and, the, and managing that aspect of, of ministerial life. I think the big thing with leadership that I got from listening to that was that we've been through a lot of change, but we have also in, encountered an evolution of the ministry to evolve. Uh, they're finding ways of doing ministry. You and I have done the same thing here where we've actually seen a lot of growth through the yep. pandemic. 
so there is ways of doing that. It can't always be done the same way that it used to be done. There's going to be a time for change. Uh, another thing I think that came out of that was that that while that change is still going on, one of the things that they have come down to that has been really important and revealed itself to them, which I think is really the most valuable thing out of all of this, is focus on the kinds of things that are really meaningful for people. If there are people that have left the church and evaluated their life and decided that church wasn't something that was worth investing in, why? Maybe we can do some things as a church, as ministers, uh, that make it worth their while to stay invested. Uh, focus on the real important things and not just doing things, not just activities, not just what everybody else is doing and, and this program and that thing that everybody does, but focus on the people. Focus mm-hmm. on the relationships that keep them together and provide the glue for that community. And from a family standpoint, I think he, you know his discussion on boundaries was important. Uh, and the fact that he puts boundaries in and he considers himself a husband and a father before he's pastor. Uh, and I think that's really important. I think there's a scripture in the Bible that says that if you can't be uh, the master of your own home, then you can't be a leader in the church. Um, you have to be able to do those things. I don't believe that that is compartmentalization. I believe it's the same walk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Raymond, for the action steps today for today's episode. And we have reached that part of the show where we go into our mailbag and uh, look and see some of the questions that might be coming in from some of our listeners. And I think this is a particularly good question because this is something we're going to be addressing in the future. But the question that came in was, how do you handle change moving forward? Um, discussed a little bit today in today's episode. Change does not have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be threatening. I think one of the statements I've heard often before in the past is one of the most consistent things that we're going to have in our lives is change. And how do we adapt to that? How do we deal with that? And we are fortunate to have an, an episode upcoming with Dr. Mark Walker. I'm going to ask Dr. Sargent, if you would, just discuss a little bit of some of the things we're going to discuss in that episode coming up. Well, we're excited about... Uh Dr. Walker taking time to come over and join us in this podcast. He has gone through an extraordinary uh, period of change. Uh, He followed a transformational leader who had been in in place at Lee, as as most of us know, for for over 30 years. That along with some really challenging social issues. There's a lot of social issues in our culture that that, that uh, place a, a, a university like Lee that is Christ-centered. It places them in the crosshairs of uh, the culture. And so he has had an extraordinary uh, set of circumstances, which we look forward to hear from him talk about that and, and reflect on that. And I think it'll be very helpful for all of us who who, who are in ministry and leadership to, to listen to this gentleman as he talks about how God has guided him through that. So it's going to be an exciting episode. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. To finish up this episode, if you happen to have a question that you would like for us to address, please send that to us on our website at centerforministerialcare.com. You can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash COGCMC. You can also see us at Twitter, hashtag COGCMC. Uh, if you would like to reach me personally, you can reach me on Twitter at Praying Manus. We always look forward to hearing from you. We are here to serve you. We are for ministers. We are for ministerial families. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for all that you do. We look forward to hearing you next time on Pastoring on Purpose.